umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with andy anderson and we're going to talk about michigan's 21 to 7 victory over michigan state well andy what did you think about that one well, it was a significant win for uh, Harbaugh. Uh, they had gone 1-17 uh, in 17 in prior attempts to beat a ranked team on the road. It didn't get to be 18. There, was, uh, sh- there were shenanigans before the game. There was a, a, a lightning break uh, during the game of over an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, But the game to me was a total surprise. I expected Michigan State to play much better than they did. They just did not play very well. And Michigan was ready. They were eager in all three uh, position, or, uh, sections, uh, the offense, the defense, and the special teams all did exceedingly well and brought home a victory. That, uh, In looking back at it, I'm surprised that it was only 21-7. It would have been 21 and nothing if Michigan hadn't dropped the ball down in the red zone uh, and, and given give uh, um, Michigan State a big a big chance that they otherwise couldn't own. Three things stood out to me. The shenanigans before the game got more yardage for Michigan State than the, their team earned during the game. Michigan State did not average more than two plays, two yards per play. Michigan State had fewer total yards than one of the teams in the game had penalty yards because Michigan had 99 yards and penalties, and uh, State didn't make that in any, in any, any way on the ground. So it was an astounding game. It was nasty that you had to have a break, and the shenanigans before the game are just a distraction to take away from the quality of this win. We ought to, there, we ought to be, and the Wolverines are. They're a very happy bunch of Wolverines because they know for the first time in a long time that they're being considered as contenders for better things, for championships. It is now seems possible... It's not probable, but it's possible that they could get in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State got beat, what was that, 49-20 up by uh, Purdue, who leads the Big Ten in offense right now. So you were up there in the press box looking at that. What did you think? Well, the thing that struck me about the shenanigans is that there was a time in this rivalry, um, and, and specifically the the Hulk years, where I would say that Michigan State was at the zenith of their power, and they really didn't need to do stuff like this. Um, you know, there was that two-year stretch where we played there, you know, due to a quirk in the schedule, two years in a row, where mm-hmm. where the feeling right before the game was that this was the varsity versus the JV that, you know, in that time, Michigan State was better, tougher, and they were just, and, and they just dispatched the Wolverines in, in short order. 
and, and again, in those times, you didn't see this, okay? You didn't see the little cheap shots. You didn't see the, the mind games. Because, frankly, they didn't have to. Since Harbaugh's come in, you know, you have the, you know, he's 2-2 two and two against Michigan State. But one of those games was stolen in the, the let, closing seconds with that, uh, you know, the blocked punt return for a touchdown, okay? So, so, so you look at that and you say, well, really, Michigan should have, could have be 3-1, and one, or Harbaugh should be 3-1 and one versus Michigan State, right? And then you have the weather last year, which, which was, a, you know, its own monsoon, its own aberration. So... You know, after a long stretch of Michigan State being dominant, the the needle is twisting back, and that they had to do the pregame walk and and you know the shove or or uh, the decapitation, the clothesline, whatever you want to call it, I think is just indicative of they feel that they need to do stuff like that because they were no longer overpowering or superior on the field. Um, now, you know, it's taken on a whole life of its own with, um, you know, uh, uh, prior to the game, I thought Harbaugh was actually doing his best to kind of de-escalate the war of words. Um, you know, in his press conference uh, the week of the game, he said, you know, we want to get away from the cliches. He said, you know, all the right things, they're a rival, we respect them. He talked about how he had a decent relationship with D'Antonio. And after the game, you know, and I think specifically fueled by that incident, I think that, that quite frankly, he was pissed, okay? I mean, yeah. and I, I think... Harbaugh isn't, isn't going to lay down and have his team abused by anybody. And uh, he, he came back with pretty strong language when he uh, accused Michigan State in that event of having stormtrooper tactics. That kind of surprised me. I thought he couldn't hit any harder than that. Well, see, and, and that's the thing, is that, you know, he spoke after the game. He called it Bush League. Um, yeah. And, and it would have been really easy to say, hey, we won the game and let it go. But he was upset. And even two days later at the, at the, the press conference, you know, here we are in the bye week. Andy, you've been at, you've watched Harbaugh at these events. He will block questions. He will say nothing over and over again. Um, and, and I will tell you that, and, and people can go back and listen to the podcast of his press conference. He pretty much um, asked for the question. You know, he's like, hey, are you asking me what I think? Are you asking me? Well, let me tell you. And he actually pulled out a little piece of paper from his pocket. He had made some notes. And he reiterated that he thought it was Bush League. Um, he said that it was an orchestrated stormtrooper tactic. And it's very clear that um, whatever warm or professional relationship that he had with Mark D'Antonio, um, it's on now. It's over. I mean, it'll be interesting to see because between the quotes of what he said after the game, directly after the game, and between what he said... Um, you know, in the bye week uh, press conference, we're going to be we're going to be hearing these quotes and these sound bites for forever, and definitely the next couple years. I mean, this is 
this is not the kind of thing that goes away. And it's interesting because, again, at various times when Harbaugh's been at Michigan, he has gone out of his way to not provoke, um, you know, to, to <coughs> try to be a good boy, right? Try to not say yeah, things right. that are going to get picked up. I think he tried. I think that he felt that his team and he was provoked. And he's answering in kind. And, I mean, this is uh, this is going to be a, an interesting rivalry to watch, especially since you get the impression that Michigan State is kind of at the tail end of it, you know, as far as uh, a weakening power and Michigan State. And Michigan is surging. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Again, it was really nice to see Michigan go on the road. I would say it was the second game in a row that we saw kind of a shaky first half. And yep. them come out in the second half and, and dominate. You know, what can you say about this defense? I mean, the defense is, is just brutal. Well, Michigan State failed to convert a single third down or a single fourth down. And they, they got into Michigan territory. They didn't get into Michigan territory more than three times. And one time was because we fumbled a, a punt. I met in front of a running back, um, fumbled there, and they got it and used the trick play, which was very cagey, and got into the end zone from short range. But I was, like I say, Michigan should have had more points on the game offensively. They had at least three times where they were in good field position because our punter, Will Hart can kick that ball. He, he just came out of no place this year, and he's doing an absolutely fabulous job there. He had a 60-yard punt. That kind of stuff doesn't happen every day. Uh, Mr. Robbins will be coming back and will solidify that position next year, and that's great for field position. you got to have that good punting. If you don't have it, can't kick it out of bounds down in uh, in enemy territory, you know, and in, uh, inside the ten once in a while. You're not going to have good field position, especially when you're playing the kind of offense that Michigan plays. One point of concern is that Rashawn Gary didn't play again. It's looking like um, you know that injury that he has. Uh, you know, is going to make him miss most of the season. Uh, the other, you know, the other concern is the Quinn Nordine just absolutely um, muffed. Yeah, and and that's the thing for a guy who was spot on at the beginning of last year. He kind of tailed off at the end of last season, and I I wouldn't I wouldn't rely. I, I'd be very concerned if he was lining up for a for a game winning kick this year so again there were some things to, to be concerned about um, again there was that fumble by Chris Evans and you know I think I saw that and I said well we're not going to see you again this game uh, Karan Higdon was, is just a machine he reiterated that Michigan has the best offensive line in the, in the nation and uh, you know it's interesting he has kind of become the uh, a spokesman for the team as far as calling out critics. Uh, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention Chase Winovich, who is just a beast on defense, uh, harassing and tackling and, and just, 
just really being a physical presence, dominating in his position. Um, I, I think the thing that I take away from this game is that, you know, we see a Michigan team that instead of tailing off toward the end of the season, seems to be surging, seems to be firing on all the cylinders. And, uh, you know, they have this bye week now and looking forward to Penn State. You know, as, as you mentioned, I mean, I think you got to feel really good about their chances to finish the season. Next game up is Penn State. They've talked about that they have a chip on their shoulder after what Penn State did to them. Don Brown says that he thinks about that game almost every day. So uh, I would think that he's going to have something special cooked up for them. Well, McSorley is not going to be easy to overcome because he can pinpoint his passes. He can throw. He can hit them. He can throw them where the defense isn't. So it's going to be a sterner test in the passing game than they've had from Michigan State. I couldn't believe that Lewerke missed all those passes by 10. Late in the game was throwing them into the stands, missing them 10, 10 yards high, missing like he did. Now, there are rumors out of Michigan State that he was injured, that he's got a shoulder injury. And if that is so, then why was he in there? What that shows, the fact that they didn't replace him if he was injured and doing poorly, indicates that they don't have very much depth at the position, that they don't have depth that, they're, that, they're, they're, uh, uh, that they seriously think can succeed there. So uh, that's a Michigan State problem. It takes nothing away from Michigan's victory, which I think is one of the finest in my memory. There not been many like that one recently. That was an extremely hard-hitting game. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Rashawn Gary being absent, but Quiddy Pay has done a great job in filling in for him over there. Uh, the, the Solomon, Audrey, Audrey Solomon is back uh, at the nose, too, you know, switching uh, uh, possessions with, uh, with Monet, doing a great job. And he, that's a real asset to have back. Yeah, I, I'm it beginning to look more and more like Rashawn's not coming back, isn't it? I'm not going to jump to that conclusion. Um, you know, we still have a number of games left. You know, they have said repeatedly that they don't believe it's a season-ending injury, but frankly, we haven't missed them. And that doesn't mean I don't want them to come back, but I think that it gives him the luxury of of you know rehabbing and um, getting treatment and coming back when when he's solid. I mean, frankly, if he doesn't come back from Penn State, he can wait till Indiana come wait for the Indiana game to come back just as a tune-up for because we'd like to have him back versus Ohio State. Um, do you want to go back to in addition to what we saw on the field? There were some other things that happened. Tariq Black made an appearance. Now he was only in for one yeah. play. But yeah. he looked good in warm-ups, and, and that bodes well, because that was another player that, that people were wondering if he, if he was going to be back this season. So he looked good. I think we'd be remiss not to mention that that is some of the most bizarre weather I've ever seen at a football game. Um, you know, living in Michigan, it's not unusual for a day to start out nice and, and the weather to go crappy. But that day, the game started. It was blue sky, you know, puffy clouds, relatively warm. Then the rain, the sleet came in, you know, the thunder and lightning in the area. Then there was the game delay. And after that, it was overcast. And then 
In the third quarter, it was clear again. And then during the second half, it went from, you know, sheets of rain to hail to a little bit of snow. And then it was bitterly cold at the end. So it was definitely a, a, a football game showcasing what we say here in Michigan about the weather, where sometimes you'll see all four seasons uh, in, in, over the course of a few hours, and that was definitely the case. So that was all. It was all of that. It hit my neighborhood hard. There were even trees over the roads down down the road a ways, and the internet was out. A lot of electricity was off for a lot of people. I appreciated my onboard generator a little more than I did when I was paying for it. But uh, one thing that we would be remiss in not saying and not talking about here is that we have often jumped on the coaches for play calling and why isn't the offensive line better and the defense, uh, there's too much man and there's a whole lot of, there's a whole litany of things that we have said over in the past as they were growing about them. And Jim McElwain and Mr. Warner and Coach Warner, the offensive line coach and receivers coach, uh, McElwain is the receivers and uh, they have really grown. Nico Collins came on great in that game. He caught an interception. He intercepted a tip pass, and it was just beautiful. Uh, and it uh, led to a score. I think he caught the touchdown for a score, too. So uh, we got to mention that these guys have done a good job. You can't forget Brown either. The defense is overwhelming again, and uh, he lost a lot of people last year and he's just pasted others into the into 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 the, the vacancies and gone on and gotten better. I think they think they may be better than they were last year. So uh, one piece of news that has just come out not too long ago was that James Hudson who was highly touted uh, to get uh, to get into the the two deep on the uh, offensive line has transferred under the new transfer rule. So he's gone. But what that means to me is that he didn't see any future there because the positions that he was going to uh, be good at, I think it was left or right tackle, either one, uh, aren't going to be available in their future because people would pass him over. He had a little injury of the finger, and that slowed him up enough, and he's out of the 2 deep. Well, well, the thing about that is I, I think that's a possibility. You know, guys transfer for all kinds of reasons. We haven't heard. Okay. I, I'm kind of surprised. Um, one thing I wanted to call out from the, from the, the Michigan State game was, uh, you know, and we criticized the coaching staff last year for not adjusting the game plan to suit the weather. Yes. And I was wondering if we were going to see the same thing again this year. And, you know, boom, Shea Patterson comes out, throws that beautiful pass uh, to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And that really just, I mean, took the air out of the stadium for, for Michigan State. Now, I will tell you, as great as that play was, when they got the ball on the short field and did their trick play and you know and that does kind of surprise me that it worked because Michigan State always has a trick play 
Um, yeah, we should have been ready. Should have been ready for that. But again, okay, you, you, you know, look at the overall. But point was is when Michigan State scored their touchdown, the stadium was rocking. They were. It definitely felt like momentum had, had shifted, and I thought it was really great how Michigan came back and, and and you know took the game back. I have to give Michigan State fans or people fans who went to the game some credit. You know, they they emptied the stadium. And I, I was wondering with how nasty the weather was, how many people would come back. It sure seemed like almost everybody came back. Apparently, uh, they, were, they weren't checking tickets when people returned, so I wouldn't be surprised if some extra people who were on campus helped fill it in. But, again, you got to give credit where credit is due. The fans definitely stuck it out. And, and you know, for the Michigan fans, they saw a great game. I guess that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Andy Anderson. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.